Amen. Well, welcome everybody. Amen. Hallelujah. Good to see you, Mother Maria. <laughs> well, like I say, it's good morning somewhere in this co- in this world, not this country, but the world. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, um, I'm uh, I don't anticipate being along, and there's no football game for me to watch. I, I guess my wife let me know that's a running joke in the house. So, <laughs> and the reason why I'm going to cut it short, because uh, next week we'll be, uh, we may stay on one or two verses next week. So, all right. So I think we only got through two verses last week. So uh, anyway, uh, for those that weren't here, Matthew 23. And for those that were here and you can't remember, Matthew 23. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, you know, like I mentioned last week, and if you weren't here, you know, I, I, recommend that you go back and look at the previous two weeks um when there because you know a lot of times i said this last week but a lot of times when we read about this the pharisees and the scribes we're like oh that doesn't apply to me but you know we can see some of these things actually you know we may not do exactly like them but the principles and, and some of the things that they do may apply to us and I, you know uh, so we're going to continue to walk through Matthew 23, and I don't anticipate when we get to Matthew 24 us being that long, but, you know, we never know. So, you know, and I, I mentioned this through 23 through 25 that the words are in red, and it's, it's, it's important for us to pay attention because that means Jesus is talking. You know, we're to pay attention again to the whole Bible, but when Jesus is talking, we should really be adhering to this, right? And we're going to pick up where... Now Jesus is addressing the uh, scribes and the Pharisees, and I think uh, we got through the first two woes, so we're on the third woe this week, and so we'll begin at verse 15. Well, actually, I think uh, point number one last week was that, you know, that the Pharisees and scribes kept people from heaven, and we as Christians, we don't want to do that neither. And point number two is kind of similar to that. And it says, don't lead people down the wrong path. Don't lead people down the wrong path. The religious leaders led people down the wrong path in order to, to make a convert. So let's look at verse 15. All right. So Matthew 23, verse 15 says this. Woe. And if you remember last week, I talked about woe means judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. So this is a warning that Jesus is giving. He's not condemning them or not not damning them, but he's giving a warning. And he's saying, even though he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, he's saying this in the presence of the disciples and the crowd that's there. So they're to take heed, which means we're to take heed too. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And I mentioned last week, hypocrites is mentioned seven times in this chapter. Hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one... You make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Now, when we read that, immediately, you know, when we first read that, some of us, the, what may come to mind is Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, and things like that. How may they may come and, you know, they'll try to win people, try to win converts and things like that. But these are things that we also practice in the church today. All right. So what's a proselyte? So a proselyte is one who has come over from a Gentile religion to Judaism. So I talked about before how the, a lot of the uh, 
beliefs of the Pharisees actually lined up with Jesus' beliefs. Right? But Jesus' main issue with the scribes and the Pharisees was they were hypocrites. And that, that was his main issue. So we don't want to be hypocrites. That's why we see here that it's mentioned seven times here. Alright, so what is he saying? He's, he's saying to the scribes and the Pharisees, you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. So their zeal and evangelism it, their zeal and evangelism did not prove they were right with God. These religious leaders went to great lengths to win others, but they brought people to darkness, not light. So in other words, they weren't trying to win people to God. They were trying to win people over to their beliefs, their opinions. And I talked about it also that we don't look at things based on, we got to stop looking at things based on our opinions. We have to stop looking at things from a political viewpoint. Next week, a lot of us are going to hit, get hit in the face with a brick. <laughs> so I'm going to come off with the top rope for those that used to watch wrestling next week. Right? But we'll get to that next week. <laughs> Not physically, because I can't do that now. <laughs> I will hurt myself. But we have to stop looking at things through the viewpoint of the world, through the viewpoint of our opinions, through the viewpoint of political views, and we look at it through the Bible. That's it. Through the Bible. And too many of us in the church are looking at things based on our opinions and we're formulating things. And this is what the scribes and the Pharisees did. And they didn't, they didn't heed to what Jesus wanted them to heed to. So we want to be careful of that. I'm going through two, two different parts here. So, uh, Israel's religious leaders put considerable effort into convincing others of their views. So, what do we have here? They, they said uh, they did this by not displaying what they were taught. Right? So this goes back to being a hypocrite. So in other words, instead of reproducing disciples, they were reproducing hypocrites. And the fact that now these hypocrites become worse than even what the Pharisees was doing. Now, how do we see this in the church today? We see this in the church by we may share part of the biblical message with people. But we may not give them the full truth. So remember, as we've been going through 1 Thessalonians, Paul spent how many weeks there? Three Sabbaths, right? Three weeks, right? So within those three weeks, these are some of the things, not all of them, but some of the things Paul dealt with them about. The Holy Spirit, faith, holiness, the fruit of the Spirit, prayer, Jesus, God's judgment, the return of Christ, and also the enemy. And then what does Paul say? He says, look, I have no need to write to you or teach you about love because God has already taught you about love. He's teaching you himself. Why? Because when we come to the Lord, his love is shed abroad in our hearts. So now if his love is shed abroad in our hearts, it should overflow out of us. Have you ever seen miserable Christians? Right? I, and I'm talking about not just Christians who've been saved. Now, we can all have a bad day. That's fine. Right? Or a bad week. That's fine. I'm talking about people who have just come to the Lord, who said they have just given their heart over to the Lord. No. Something's wrong with that. That ought not to be. Why? Because we, we have, all of a sudden, we're giving them part. We're not giving them the full message. Right? We, we want to tell them about heaven, but... Many scholars say Jesus talked more about hell. And we don't even talk about hell. 
Right? But it's love, grace, love, grace, love, grace, love, grace, love, grace, love, grace. And there's more to the Bible than that. There's more to Jesus than just love and grace. Right? And then what we do, we get them. I think Phil talked about it a few weeks ago. We get them to say a prayer. Right? But there's no change in their heart because they don't believe. And this is what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing. And this is what goes on to the church. And today, we make it acceptable in the body of Christ for that. Because what do we do? When, they, when they're walking around and, and, and they're not fully converted, or not fully converted, not converted. It's not no halfway. <laughs> right? They're not converted. And then all of a sudden, they're out there living in the world, doing worldly things. And now all of a sudden, the minister is making excuses for their behavior. Say, so, hey, Jesus understands. Jesus loves you. And what's the, what, what's the catch-all we always say? All right, now that you say that prayer, don't worry about it. Jesus is going to change you. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but when I got saved, there was a change. There was a change. Right? We should not, still not be walking around being miserable and things like that. So, what do we do today? We teach techniques. We teach techniques instead of allowing being led by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we'll say, hey, go do A, B, C, and D. And if you do A, B, C, and D, now, guess what? Just leave them in that, and then they're good. And then we leave them. But that's not the Great Commission that so many of us like to preach about. Because Jesus said, to the eleven, he said, to what? Go into all the world. Teaching them all the things that I have taught you. All the things that I've taught you. So, we're given techniques, and Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Turn there real quick. First Corinthians chapter two. All right, first Corinthians chapter two, verse four. And my speech and my preaching were not with what? Persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. In other words, Paul saying, I didn't come with a technique to say, hey. His A, B, and C to try to manipulate you in the receiving of Christ. But I came in the essence of the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to do it. Amen. Right? Because now we start getting into competition. Oh, you led this person to the Lord this week. Oh, I'm going to lead this many to the Lord this week. No, first of all, none of us lead anybody to the Lord. I said this before. Right? God draws them to the Son, right? And the Holy Spirit, guys, is the Holy Spirit. Makes a change in them. Right? So, we got to get out of habits of getting doing these techniques and stuff like that. You know, there was a minister that years ago, what he would do is he would completely write out his whole entire message, his whole sermon. And then each time he would go to a church to speak, guess what he was doing? 
like this, reading it word for word. Would not look up. You know why? Because he said he didn't never want to manipulate somebody in the receiving the Lord. But as he did, and now to many of us today, even Bible colleges would say, hey, no, that's wrong. Do an outline. But each time we know from testimonies, as he read, people got up and repented from their sins. And you know what that led to? The Great Awakening. That's Jonathan Edwards. There was no manipulation there. But we got manipulation today. And then we wonder why we see people the way they are today. Because they're not receiving the gospel message. And now what are we doing? We're making proselytes that are worse than some of us. So when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Again, their objective was not to win them to God, but to convert them to their own opinion. So again, we have to speak the truth. We have to give them the truth. Because what? The truth will what? Make you free. And we're not giving the truth. Why? Because we want the microwave to quick convert. And, that, and then, just like the Pharisees, what do we do today? We have Christians that are being hypocrites. Right? We'll go out, get ready to do outreach. Everybody, praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and then, when nobody's looking, we're living like hell. That's a hypocrite. Right? If we're, we're, if we're pretending to be something that's not in us, for the sake of, really, we can go to church, we can read our Bible still, we can still pray, and all that still not be in our hearts. Like I said, you're just wasting your time. You might as well stay at home. You're wasting your time. Because there ought to be a change in us. We should not be hypocrites. But we should be displaying love. We should be displaying compassion. We should be uh, displaying mercy, justice. Amen. All right, so point number three. Don't value material things over the altar in the church. See, in other words, what they, what they did was this. They devalued the house of worship. All right, so Matthew 23. Go back to there if you're not there. I know I had your turn. Verse 16. Woe to you, blind gods, who say whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. So let's start right there. So let's go back to blind. So what does blind here mean? Blind is what Jesus is saying to them is you lead people down the wrong path with your hypocrisy. The blind leading the blind. Right? So now, what does God's mean? God's here in the, in the Greek is the Greek word hodegos, which is G3595. You can Google it yourself. It means teacher of the ignorant and inexperienced. So in other words, it allowed them to not be held accountable to certain things. Why? Because people become ignorant. So the only way we cannot become ignorant is to what? Read. To learn ourselves. Right? To, to, what happens is we're, 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 we're taking scriptures and 
Well, actually, let me take that back. We're not taking scriptures. We're, we're hearing scriptures a lot of times, and it's being taught out of context, and we're taking it as biblical truth. And then we're going back, and we're using it, and we're, we're, we're uh, quoting it over and over and over, and we're doing these things. Yes, it's a good thing to memorize scriptures, 100%. You would never hear me say otherwise. But you had better get the context down. You had better get the context down. Because one of the two popular verses we say today when it leads to somebody getting saved is Romans 10, 9 and 10. That's not talking about individual salvation. Read the context. That's talking about the nation of Israel. I talked about that a long time ago. Right? But it was their zeal that they had, but their zeal without now. Actually, turn there. Romans 10. Beginning at verse 1. I actually meant to bring that up for the last scripture. Romans 10, beginning at verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for who? Israel. Is that they be saved. Right, he's talking about the nation. Why? Because they, were, they rejected the king. And we'll get more to that once we get to Matthew 24. For I bear them witness that they have a what? Zeal for God. Just like the Pharisees and scribes. Wanted to make a convert. They had a zeal for evangelism. But what does it say? But not according to what? Knowledge. Not according to knowledge. See, you can have the zeal all you want for evangelism, but you don't have knowledge. Now you're going to lead them down the wrong path. Verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness... And seeking to establish their what? Own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So what does righteousness mean here? It means a broad sense, state of him who is as he ought to be, righteous, the condition, acceptable to God, integrity, virtue, the doctrine concerning the way in which man may attain a state approved of God. Now, that means we have to give them the whole gospel message. Not just what we think they should hear in order to try to make a quick convert. Going back to Romans 10, 9 and 10, that is a call for the nation of Israel to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. That's why it was important for them to confess. Why? Because it wasn't easy for a messianic Christian, a messianic Jew, <laughs> right? To confess Jesus Christ, especially back then. On two folds, one for the Jews and also Rome. Right now, we can, we can confess Jesus Christ as King, Messiah, but we're not going to be persecuted. Like they would have in the early church. Being Jews. Alright, going back to Matthew 23. Alright, verse 17. Fools! And we wonder why Jesus got persecuted. So that word, that, word, <laughs> that word fools actually in the Greek actually means dull, stupid, godless, showing a lack of respect for God. That's Jesus speaking the truth. <laughs> fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on, the, on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift 
or the altar that sanctifies the gift. Verse 20. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He, he, verse 21. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. So in other words, they were making oaths. Right? They were making oaths and things like that. Not based on the temple, not based on the altar, but the gold. Right? They had it backwards. Right? But we actually kind of do this, some things like that today. We devalue the houses of worship. I get it. I've said it. We're the building is not the church. I'm the church, right? We're the church, right? But the Bible never told us to defile the house of worship. But we got all sorts of things going on in churches and buildings and things like that. How are we going to say we're calling to invoke on the presence of God when we come together in service inside of a house, a building, a temple, wherever it was, and now we want to do whatever we want? Before service, after service, talk about what we want to do. Whatever happened to like he told Moses, holy ground. We do the same thing today, right? Kids running up and down the altar, <laughs> right? No respect for it. That always used to bug me, right? So we made sure our kids didn't do it. She's fine. She's playing in the back. <laughs> you know, Jesus still respected the temple. Right? Even though it was a building, we'll get to this later in this chapter, but he still respected the temple. Because what did he do? He drove out the money changers. Right? Now, we sell whatever we want inside the church. We have uh, coffee makers or whatever, coffee stores, whatever. You know, we do all these things inside the church, and we devalue. And then now we got Christians saying, I don't have to go to church. Why? Because I'm the church. And we wonder where we get that from. We laugh, but it's true. I know a couple of people like that. And they won't go to church. They won't step foot in church. Why? Because it is their belief, they're the church, so they don't have to go to church. So what they were doing is, let's say they go before the temple, before the altar. They say, oh yeah, I'll make this oath. I swear. Things wrong. <laughs> <I'm afraid. laughs> right? But now you have to go, you're gonna swear by it, and you're gonna stand by it. Right? Well, we do this in church today. How many people try to get out of contracts all the time? Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about Christians. Right? I I I, I know I talked about it when we were at the house. There was the church in South Carolina. Right? The 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 pastor said he felt Led to, Lord was calling him to go to California, him and his wife. So, they gave the church, they brought in another minister, moved in from another state, and gave the church over to him. Now, they moved to California, and guess what? After a little bit, they changed their mind. <laughs> so now, guess what? They want their church back. <laughs> so, guess what? They come back to the state that they were at and say, hey, we want our church back. So, guess what this pastor said? Oh, no, you're not getting it back, right? So now they're going back and forth. Guess what? They end up in court about it, right? I don't know what the final outcome is. It doesn't matter. But again, you 
agreed to something. Right? You said God called us to hear. And now something God changed his mind? Oh, so God is like, man, now when you going to change his mind like that? <laughs> no, exactly. I don't think so. So just say, hey, you made a mistake. <laughs> and then you can ask, that's fine. But if they say no, now you got to start your own. Mm-hmm. Right, put these things going in place today. Right, we got Christians breaking, trying to get out of contrast. That don't have to, actually, as Christians, we shouldn't even need contrast as our word. We sh- it, it should be our word. Why? Because if we have integrity, <laughs> we should go by our word. So the altar for us in the church, for us as born again believers, Jesus is supposed to be our altar. That is what we come to. Right now, if we recognize Jesus as our altar, guess what? We're not going to be like these prophets. We're going to be different, and we're going to walk in the truth, and we're going to walk in integrity. Our word is going to be our word, and we're not going to come into the house of worship just treating it any, any kind of way. Because if we do that, then what are we doing to our own temple when we leave it? Because that shows us that we're devaluing the house of worship, which means we're devaluing God. And that ought not to be. we got to remember, holy ground. Holy ground. And we got to get out of the mindset of, oh, I'm just going to do this, I'm just going to do that. It, no. It's still worshiping his presence. His presence is still here. And guess what? Even if we show up, his presence is inside of us, yeah. So which means when we're on our job, guess what? His presence is there. That's right. His presence is there. No matter where we go. So we should be acting right. <laughs> Why? If we can't if we're not acting right, now all of a sudden. Now we'll start acting like scribes and Pharisees. We're talking one thing, <coughs> we're behaving and doing another. And now we're studying the growth, and like we talked about last week, where we're blocking the kingdom of heaven, blocking people from going to the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because of our behavior. If, he, if they see us do it, that's what they're going to do. If they see somebody in leadership do it, then they're going to feel okay with it. That ought not to be. They should feel uncomfortable in doing it. I have people who are not saved at work that are uncomfortable doing things now. That's how it should be. Now, I don't mock them if they do something. I don't knock them. They're not safe. Right? They're not safe. So I'm not going to hold them to the standard of myself. I got the Holy Spirit inside of me. They don't. But there are some things that they are uncomfortable with. They're not sure. Or even if they slip up, they apologize. I'm sorry. I let them know. It's okay. They've been doing that around me since I was in the name. And that's how I should be with all of us. Right? Because it's not the sense of me that I'm bigger than, but they see how I carry myself. And that's how everybody should see how we carry ourselves. And we should be different. And not just one of the guys or one of the girls. <laughs> So, yeah. I'll joke, but they all know my jokes ain't dirty. <laughs> and they know they don't come to me with dirty jokes either. Right. Amen? Yeah. 